This is my body. This is my blood. Could there be any better words to hear on this Corpus Christi Sunday? Also this Sunday, the first since Bishop Lavalley lifted the dispensation from Mass. Body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Jesus in the Eucharist, the, that which every heart has been longing for throughout their lives, and what many hearts have been longing for for the past year plus, knowing it or not. There's nothing like it, is there, in all the world. No other act, no other prayer, no other religious experience. Literally heaven coming to earth for us. Our Lord, in this Holy Eucharist, feeds us, He leads us, and He bleeds for us. First, He he feeds us in the Eucharist, and that's the obvious one, isn't it? Our brothers and sisters of separated Christian communities, they would all agree on that. We have communal meals. Everyone knows the image of the Last Supper that's on the worship aid or on the bulletin. And the Gospel, here we hear the disciple is saying, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to celebrate the Passover meal? When we hear Passover, of course, we think of that meal that marked the beginning of the, the freedom from the slavery in Egypt with the slaughtering of the lambs, the sprinkling of the blood upon the doorstep, and also the consumption of its roasted flesh, a lamb. It was given to them to give them strength. On the journey, they were about to make their way out of Egypt in the direction of the promised land. And the Eucharist gives us strength on our journeys as well to, yes, please God, the promised land. It's also a meal that reminds me of my Italian grandma because it's a meal of abundance. Notice those four verbs that Jesus uses. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and gives it to them. See, Mark knew this, and he was doing it intentionally. Those four same exact verbs were the ones Mark chose to use one other time. You remember what it was, right? The multiplication of the loaves and the fish. He took them, he blessed them, he broke them, and he gave it to them. This is not just one meal, but it's a meal of abundance. There was no shortage. It fed 5,000 with a few loaves and a couple fish. And there's no shortage of Jesus. We're not dividing one body among many. It is that gift which goes on, which is one for all. I'm reminded of Father Dick Sturtz. We celebrated his funeral mass here in the diocese last week. 90 years old, not a surprise for a 90-year-old priest to die, but the way he did so. He lived life to the full. When he moved in his retirement to Ogdensburg, he became the social director of all of us priests of Ogdensburg, taking it upon himself to make sure that there were outings, that there were meals together, that there was at least one evening where there wasn't just evening prayer. We did that all together, but there was a cocktail hour before evening prayer, because come on, boys, we've got to do that every once in a while. And he just lived life to the full. I did the math 
of all of the things he did, the one he loved the most was this, the Eucharist. Ninety years old. He celebrated Mass approximately 25,000 times, bringing heaven to earth. And it was so beloved by him, I don't think he chose it, but Providence did, that he died literally on his 65th anniversary. The 11th hour, more than that, the 11.45 p.m., soaking all that he could out of the beauty of that day before returning to his master. Christ feeds us with abundance. He also leads us in the Eucharist. Jesus told the disciples, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. That can sound like a throwaway line, I know, but that's very important. Note that in the first century, men didn't carry water. No, everybody carries water, right? But no, the big jars of water, that was particularly women's work, unless there was a household in which there were no women. The scholars will debate whether they were members of this community of celibates or whatever, but the important thing is for us to know that this was not just some accidental thing, like it was somebody with brown hair or you know, green eyes. Instead, this was somebody that Jesus knew about. He was leading the way. He had prepared it, and he prepares it for us as well. He knows where it is that we are to go and how it is that we are to live. And so literally, he went with us into the streets here just moments ago. The cross, the candles, and the bell, yes, they were out in front, but it was Jesus who was leading the way acknowledging that he never abandons his people. We had so many people come back for the first time today, and what a blessing, and some of you as well. But he never abandons us. He literally walks with us. I hope you saw it. Maybe you came, it's hard to keep track when you're hearing the Blessed Sacrament of who is there and who's not, but the, we had four pillar bearers, the, the canopy bearers, as we processed out. The first communion kids were behind us, and the pillar, the canopy bearers were manned by, well, not four volunteers, but four that we hand chose. These four guys all came into the sacraments this year, or returned to them. And they would be the first to acknowledge that they weren't doing that position. They weren't standing there walking right next to the Lord because they were worthy of it but because they knew that Jesus doesn't choose the worthy and said he makes worthy those he chooses. And he walks with us and he leads us. And finally, he bleeds for us. We call this Corpus Christi, of course. The solemnity, though, is the full name, the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ. You can never forget the blood. The readings this day seem to be dripping with it. You know the, the history of it, I hope, that this feast day was added to the calendar after a miracle that happened back in 1263 in Bolsena, Italy, when a host visibly bled upon the corporal, and they went in procession afterwards. But go back 2,500 years before that is the first Passover when again the blood is poured out, again sprinkled on the doorposts, 
And then fast forward a bit, when they're out in the desert, Moses, we hear in the first reading, takes the animal sacrifice, takes the blood from it, and sprinkles it in two places. One, upon the altar, the sign of God, and then two, upon the very people, the people of God. We can push back on that. That sounds awful, having blood sprinkled upon them. But it was a sign of being bound together. We still use the term sometimes, don't we? Blood brothers. Lifeblood being shared between two, being bound together. How beautiful for the blood to be sprinkled on the doorposts or for the blood to be sprinkled upon the altar and upon the people. But we don't stop there. Not just on our objects, not just on our bodies, but into our very selves. He pours out his body and blood. It comes at this altar under the appearance of bread and wine, it's true. But it is not just a symbol of it. It's not just a, a communal meal. It is his life, his body and blood. Thus, St. Paul says we must never approach the altar unworthily. If we're aware of serious sin, we must confess it so that we may receive that great gift. Yes, many in our world will say, you know, it's a nice symbol of Jesus' life. Now, I leave you with the quote of Flannery O'Connor. She's sat with friends at the table, and they were saying that very thing. What a nice symbol it is of the faith. She said, if it's just a symbol, then to hell with it. No, it is his very life poured out for us so that we might have it.